The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, The Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, host of I Lead, The Leadership Connection, and thanks so much for being with me uh, today. Um, you know, I said in the introduction that talent and people is real, are really the hallmark of great companies. And I think all the research, I know all the research, is in that direction. So today, I'm very excited to have someone that, in my mind, really was the precursor to thinking about the role that people and talent play in an organization. I had the great fortune of uh, working for GE about eight or so years under the tutelage of Bill Conady, who was the CHRO of GE through the Jack Welsh years and also uh, for numerous years with, I think, five years with Jeff Immelt, the current CEO. And, you know, I know from where I speak because I didn't grow up in GE. I came later in my career and I had had some very interesting and challenging experiences in companies where HR just really didn't have any any power, wasn't valued, people weren't valued. I, I came from Wall Street where quite the contrary, people were burned out and uh, used, almost uh, abused in certain circumstances. And I was very lucky to get recruited into GE And when I look at other companies and companies that I worked for since then and companies that I've consulted with since then, I do have appreciated how fabulous the HR community is in GE and how deep the connection to people and to leadership is in that company in a way that I've, frankly, I've never seen anywhere else. And that's why I'm so excited to have Bill Conady with us today. Bill is really recognized as a, a, a seminal leader in HR. People have emulated all over the world what GE just kind of did naturally and, and worked hard at doing. And I, I said before, Jack was the right-hand person to Jack Welsh. I don't really think Jack took a move without consulting with, with Bill. And same for Jeff Immelt. Je- uh, Bill also is part of the National Academy of Human Resources, and he was named a Distinguished Fellow, which is their highest honor. So 
I'm just so excited to have you with us, Jack. Uh, Bill. Oh, sorry. So excited to have you with us, Bill, and and just appreciate so much that you're taking the time out to talk to my audience. Great, great to be here, Linda. So, uh, you know, we talked beforehand. You've written, uh, I think, a, a really phenomenal book, and you know, I do a lot of reading and research on these topics, and I love the Talent Masters. It's it's clear, it's simple, with a lot of great stories, and you wrote it with Ram Sharan, who is a, a leading expert in the field of leadership development. So what made you and Ram write this book? Well, Linda, to be real honest with you, uh, writing a book after 40 years with GE was not on my bucket list, but it, uh, it clearly was on Ram's, and... Uh, Ram is someone that I had about a 20-year relationship with from uh, my days in uh, GE aircraft engines to the 15 years I spent uh, in GE Fairfield working for both Jack and, and later Jeff. And, and Ram's, uh, Ram's theory of the case was that uh, between his 40-plus years of uh, outside uh, consultant, really, really a world-class uh, business strategist and CEO confident, confidant, True. and, and my, my multiple decades inside GE, that, that we could offer something special, that we, you know, a lot of books on HR and organization development have been written uh, mainly by uh, uh, academicians, and right. uh, the thought here was that between Rom's consulting background uh, with practically every company, uh, Fortune 100 company across the globe. And my in-depth experience with GE and some other uh, uh, external companies, that, that we could come up with something that had a more practical, simplistic approach to both business and HR. So much more, uh, much more practical and, and simple than theoretical. So we... Uh, uh, we came up with the uh, uh, with the concept of talent masters, uh, and we divided the book kind of in three sections. One, we developed what we call seven principles of talent masters. I love those principles. We have to well, talk about those. Yeah, and they're you know they're, they're again simple, and and then we looked at probably we, we probably explored twenty companies of which uh, he's worked with, I've worked with. Uh, one or the other of us had intimate knowledge of all those companies that we talked about in the book. And all of those companies were not, uh, say, on a scale of 1 to 10, they weren't all 10s when it came to talent mastery. But they were all companies that were embracing the seven principles that we talked about. So they were in some phase of evolution towards what we would call talent mastery. So you had companies like GE and Procter and Gamble, which you might say would be, you know, hypothetically kind of the top 10. of the curb. Yeah. yeah, and then you and then you had companies that were Goodyear, uh, who, you know, I now sit on their board, but at the time I was uh, I was just the coach to uh, their incoming CEO. They were probably a four on a ten scale. Then we had companies like LG Electronics, who maybe was a two. So the point was we weren't trying to feature all companies that had already accomplished it. We were trying to say, hey, these are a set of of principles that will get you there if you you have the staying power. Uh, Many of the companies have. Some of them haven't. 
some of them haven't stuck with it, and they <laughs> they've fallen right off the cliff. But uh, so we we developed the principles. We did in-depth studies of fifteen or twenty companies, and then the third piece was we provided a toolkit, uh, kind of our lessons learned and uh, how people could take what we've learned and actually. Uh, Apply it in any size business. Uh, you know, we fully realize that companies aren't all the size of GEs and Procter and Gamble's and Novartis's, but we wanted something that uh, that any size company could use and, and customize it to uh, to their needs. So, so it, it was uh, that was the impetus. That's what we ended up doing, and uh, and it and it played out pretty well. It did play. It's a great, great book. So let's talk a little bit about those principles, Bill. Can you share them? Uh, you know, you spend a lot of time around values and meritocracy, enlightened leadership. Can you share those with, with folks? Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, the, the, the way we laid it out uh, was uh, we, we ended up with seven principles, and it started with what we call an enlightened leadership team. And that enlightened leadership team starts with the CEO, because if the CEO isn't an advocate and a real pusher and a driver of the talent agenda, it, the rest of the organization is going to head fake it, and it's just not going to happen. So, uh, and I've, ex- I've personally experienced that. Yeah, so the leadership team, it's got to be an enlightened leadership team. Yeah. The second point was we, talk, we often talk about, I certainly do, uh, uh, driving toward a meritocracy. And, and the only way, in my mind, you get to a meritocracy is you drive meritocracy through differentiation. Uh, in, my, in my world, uh, differentiating talent, I mean, you'd like to, you know, God may have created all people equal, but for some reason they don't all perform equally. And, and so there's got to be some kind of gradation there. And so differentiation in my world drives meritocracy. Treating everyone the same drives mediocrity. And so the meritocracy through differentiation, big deal. Then we talked about the third point, working values. And, and interestingly, we put in the term working because every company has a set of values. Uh, but we want it to be more than a placard behind the receptionist's desk when you walk into a company. We want it to be values that really come alive, that are, that are the basis of how people are uh, are assessed, uh, how they are recognized, rewarded, or or removed. So working values means a set of values that that you live every day and governs the behaviors of the organization. They're the behaviors point, that people can actually see every day and role model and learn from, right? Yeah, and, and know that if they don't live those values, there's going to be repercussions. Consequences, absolutely. There's going to be consequences for... Uh, for doing a great job on the values, and there's going to be there's going to be repercussions if uh, if you don't. So that's why we stressed the word working uh, before we said values. Uh, and then the next point we said, you know, a culture you need a culture of trust and candor, and and certainly in a company like GE, candor came first, trust comes second. People, first of all, uh, under the Jack Welch era. Uh, you know, he kind of put a turbocharger on the on the talent agenda, and and he really really forced candor on our performance reviews, where where it was pretty easy for us to duck behind uh, 
you know, some development need, like we need to go to the next course at Crotonville, or we, you know, we'd never really want to fess up to what our true development needs were. So he forced the fact that, you know, everybody has development needs, we need to identify them, and we need to work on them. So that was the candor. Trust, the trust comes later, because initially you're thinking, geez, if I reveal my uh, my warts or my soft spots here, that's going to move me up on the layoff list. And the fact of the matter, that wasn't what we were driving. What we were driving is, hey, everybody can get better. And everybody has one to two development needs that they can work on. And eventually, and that probably took, that probably took four or five years in GE before the trust really set in, that you could be that you could be perfectly honest and candid in your own self-development, your own self-assessment, and uh, and then the the culture uh, piece pulls in. So that one is a lot easier said than done, and it takes time, uh, and and people have to customize it for their own business, their own culture, uh, and you just can't clone a General Electric or a Procter and Gamble. It's got to be your own. You know, I've been an ex- I've I've obviously been through the GE performance uh, review and candor and feedback system personally, and honestly, I have never seen one as good as that. Yeah, well, it's uh, it, it it absolutely forces. Uh, I mean, until the day I retired, I had to cite a development need. Yeah. Not, not that I was probably going to. What was it, Bill? Learning how to transition <laughs> to retirement? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Perfect. <laughs> I'll have to remember that one. But uh, no, it was it was it was really a it was really a key. And then and then the next one, the uh, the fifth was we talk about you need a rigorous talent assessment system. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be a clone of GE or P and G, but you need some kind of a rigorous talent assessment system. So. We had that, and we didn't wait for formal performance reviews. If someone was doing a great job, you'd tell them that day. You'd recognize, you'd reward them. If they, uh, if they slipped up, you'd make sure they knew that that day. So we did things kind of on a real-time basis. And then formally, uh, a couple of times a year, we would have formal reviews. And uh, uh, so... You know, some kind of a, a talent assessment system that fits your culture, fits your business is, is key. And then the sixth point was uh, a business partnership with human resources. And as you prefaced your, uh, in, your, in your earlier remarks, uh, Linda, you mentioned that uh, all HR organizations aren't the same. And in many organizations, uh, HR still isn't a business partner. Correct, and, and really driving that a true business partnership with uh, with strong human resources uh, is to me it's critical. And uh, and again, this goes back to the CEO. If the CEO is uh, is not a real advocate of human resources, uh, is not pushing that agenda, then you'll get you'll get a mediocre HR leader, and uh, you'll have mediocre HR practices. But, so, and it's painful. Yeah, it's so very getting, painful. Getting more CEOs to recognize that, uh, uh, that a good HR leader can add tremendous value to the business proposition, not just the HR side. And then the final one, Linda, was just one we always talk about, 
continuous learning and, and how critical continuous learning is to the whole process of uh, individual development, team development, and, and, and business development. So we were never satisfied that uh, we had seen it all, been there, done that, and the day that you think you are there is the day you might want to get out. Because, is the death uh, now. Right. It is. It really is. So, so those are those were the principles. Nothing, nothing earth shaking. Uh, pretty simple. Pretty practical. Uh, but as I said at the end of the book, uh, you know, all that we talked about here is not all that complex, all that complicated. But I drew an analogy to uh, taking a golf lesson and having right, a professional golfer say, "Look, take a take a nice, easy." rhythmic swing at the ball and follow through sounds simple but how many of us can actually do it and i didn't do too well at it today myself (laughs) (laughs) so you know it's that constant repetition that uh, you know makes people professional golfers or professional whatever but uh, bill we are at break and i'm going to just pause here and uh, we're going to continue our conversation uh stay with us we're talking to bill conady uh, the former uh, CHRO of the General Electric Company, right-hand man to Jack Welsh and Jeff, Jeff Imhelt. Uh, we're going to be talking about that performance management conundrum that's widely being discussed and, and how you define potential and capability. So stay with us. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host, and with me today is Bill Connedy, the retired uh, Chief Human Resource Officer for the General Electric Company for well over 20 years, 40-year career at GE, an individual who clearly shaped the field of talent management before it became so hot. Um, most of the companies in the world try to emulate what GE had been doing for years under Bill's uh, and Jack's leadership. You know, a big hot topic that's out there right now and, and uh, is, is this whole notion of performance management. How do you do it? Should we do it? You know, is it having the negative effect or a positive effect? And, and I have to say, uh, you know, I've been in doing performance evaluations for 30 years, and I set one up in uh, New York State government under Mario Cuomo. Most people don't like them when they're onerous and they're, you know, pages and pages and the goals aren't clear and you only have a once a year conversation and the purpose of the conversation is, you know, strictly comp- compensation. But when I got to GE, we had what was called the EMS, and I'm sure you know what that stands for, Bill. I, I never did remember, but we had an EMS and it was a great, great form. It was two pages. And in it was that candid discussion of here are your strengths, here are your development needs, what's your career issues. And you could never put in, oh, I want to go take a course and whatever. You had, to have, you had to really talk about your behavior and have a great dialogue, you know, with your boss. And it was an enlightening and enriching experience, not like it is in many other companies. So, Bill, what is your take on this whole discussion of where people want to throw out performance management systems and create something else well i uh i don't know what the something else is uh i I do know that you know i haven't run into a company yet that doesn't say uh you know we have a we have a strong performance management system and (laughs) to me performance management systems uh, you don't have a performance management system unless there's consequences and consequences, in, in, in my mind, mean that you have to readily be able to identify your best and brightest and recognize and reward them. And most companies do a, a very good job at that because that's the easy part. But simultaneously, you have to take a look at your less effective performers and make sure that you're addressing them at the same time you're addressing your, your high-performance people giving them development feedback, giving them an opportunity to uh, get back on the right track to improve their performance. And if they can't, uh, there's got to be consequences. They, they've, gotta, they've either got to shape up or, uh, or leave the company. And if you don't do those kind of things, if you don't differentiate, then you don't have performance management and you, don't, you def- definitely don't have a meritocracy. So... I think that, uh, uh, you know, if somebody's got a better play out there, great. Uh, and, and how you differentiate is, uh, is up to you. 
I mean, you have to do what's, what's comfortable in your own company. But a company like GE, uh, from the day I joined them, uh, you know, four-plus decades ago, uh, I knew that I was going to be uh, rated and uh, uh, either on a 1 to 10 scale, a 1 to 5 scale, a ABC scale, a right. 20, 70, 10. So, so it, it was part of our culture. It was part of our culture. It's not something that we had to airdrop in. And we had, uh, I can distinctly remember when we, uh, when I was working with Jack, we had all kinds of companies coming in to benchmark us. Ford Motor Company was one of them. And they came in and decided, well, you know, if, if Jack Welch and GE can do uh, ratings and rankings, ABCs, then we ought to be able to do it too. And they went back and just, airdropped that into uh, Ford Motor Company, ended up with a massive class action suit with uh, everyone over 40 years of age. Yeah. And, uh, and they, had to, they had to bail out. They had to dump it. And a CEO and an HR leader got fired in the process. So, you know, my point here is you need to, if you're going to have a culture of meritocracy and differentiation, You've got to build up to that. You've got to have a rationale for doing it. You've, you've got to have a strong communications program. And people have to know what it's going to take to uh, win or succeed in, in this organization. You can't just clone what somebody else does and without any climate set or rationale for doing it, drop it into your organization. So that was the result of one company. Uh, and... Uh, uh, we, we've just always believed in, in some form of differentiation. Now, we've, we've differentiated to a fault. I mean, we've, uh, we've tried to, uh, at one point in time, we had a five-way cut, which was I... top 10%, next 15, middle 50, caution 15, and bottom 10. Mm-hmm. And I hated that. And I, I argued with, with Jack. Why did you hate that, Bill? Because nobody's that good. Nobody's good enough to cut different. Oh, that, that, that's that five. closely. Yeah. yeah. But, well, what we did is we disenfranchised 90% of the organization. Right. The only yep. group that was happy was the top was 10. 10. The next right. 15 were mad because they weren't in the top 10. The right. middle 50 had never been called middle in their life. The caution, furious. caution 15 knew they were heading for the basement, and the bottom 10 knew they were already there. So... There's 90%. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. So we, we took totally a lot of air out of that uh, balloon when we moved to a uh, uh, kind of a 20-70-10 and later moved to kind of a 30-60-10. And, yep. and, but, but as far as rankings and percentages and all that, to me, that's just a guideline. That's a framework. Yes. I, mean, I always said to people, don't do anything statistically uh, to, to, to make a number that, that's something that's absolutely wrong or stupid or, or arbitrary or arbitrary around people. So, right. so, but use it, it. It was always helpful as a framework, though, because yeah. you know when you get a large enough organization uh, and people that are overperforming, uh, you know, usually uh, expect to get some kind of reward for it. And people that are just chugging along, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, there's got to be some kind of differentiation or your whole organization will be barely moving. 
Yes, so, I totally agree. So I'm I'm still strong on the whole differentiation, whatever that is. I mean, and and again, as they say, you don't have to be so anal about uh, percentages or uh, rankings that you do dumb things to good people. But uh, but having some kind of a framework of differentiation is extremely helpful. And I think that that was for me the whole talent. Uh, approach that um, GE had was a framework into which people could really, and we used that framework consistently around the world. The answers might have been different. Maybe somebody had a 20, 70, 10, maybe somebody else had a 30, 60, you know, 10, but it generally caused a a thought process that people had around talent that you don't see in a lot of other places. Right. Absolutely. And using it, Using it as a framework, and again, not being so uh, numerical or statistically anal that you do dumb things to good people. Yeah, you know, I, Bill, I was at, uh, you know, I went to Hewlett Packard, as you know, after yep. uh, GE, and it was really interesting as a bunch of engineers, and I know you're familiar with that crowd, yep. and people were like, they're a 3.25. Yeah, right. I mean, it was just like, I, I, you know, what what point does this make? I mean, we're spending yeah. so much time and energy, and it was sort of useless. So yeah. we are at break again, but okay. stay with us because I want to talk to you about capability and potential because that's yep. another big conundrum that people get all crazy about in terms of competencies and all of that stuff. So stay with us. We're talking to Bill Connedy, uh, retired Chief Human Resource Officer for the General Electric Company, probably the most renowned human resource leader in our field. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, 
back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host, and with me today is Bill Connedy of retired human resource leader for General Electric, but certainly not retired from uh, the business world. He's an advisory partner at Clay- Clayton Jubilee and Rice, a private equity firm, uh, does a lot of uh, investing, advising with key leadership groups uh, around the world. They're located in New York City and in London. And he's on the board of some very significant companies, uh, a hospital board that you were that Bill was just at uh, this this week, and uh, also on the board of Goodyear. He consults with uh, the who's who of the Fortune 500. So uh, Bill has uh, kept his hand in this whole field, and he's one of the few really human resource people who have who is sought after to be on company boards. It's actually something that a lot of human resource people would like to do, but but don't have the uh, the, the clout that uh, Bill has. So, Bill, we were talking about performance management and uh, great discussion there. I want to also get to this whole notion of uh, potential um, capability. I know we used to do the nine box. It's widely used all over the world. Um, but it's that conundrum that people seem to get into of what constitutes potential. Can you, and, and, and you know, where competencies come into play? I'd, I'd love to get your perspective on that. Yeah, well, I, I think you almost touched on it, Linda. I mean, I think, you know, the way we, the way we always looked at it at GE was uh, potential was, com- was, was kind of a combination of uh, results, getting the results, making the numbers, uh, and and having the values, and and that was a fifty-fifty proposition, and and people that moved up the line. We used to say that making the numbers, getting the results, was a ticket of admission. That that kind of keeps you in the game, and then your values were what really took moved you up in the hierarchy in the organization. So so you needed both. You needed to. to Get results making the numbers. That was the ticket of admission or the, the ticket to ride. Uh, but then uh, how great your values were, uh, and, and values meaning some of the things we talked about earlier and your ability to lead, that's what, uh, that's what we used as kind of the, uh, the governing force as to who moved up in the hierarchy, who moved up into bigger jobs. Uh, it was Every bit as much values driven as results driven, but you needed both. And you know, I, I I think that GE had the courage to really get rid of people who did not demonstrate the values. Absolutely. And a lot of companies don't, Bill. I'm sure you've heard this many times. I certainly have. Oh, but they deliver great results if we lose right. that person. And then you want to say, yeah, but the person is toxic. Yep. Yep. Well, we had, as as you well know, Linda, we had a we had a, a simple four blocker. That uh, uh, where we assess talent with has the ha, makes the numbers and has our values top left. That means yep. you're you're bound for glory. Uh, bottom right would be doesn't have the values and isn't making the numbers. That means you're bound for another company. You're bound right. for the for the back door. And then and then the top right was someone who has the values, but was having difficulty making the numbers. And, and with that group, what we would attempt to do is shore them up, give them some kind of support, try to help them move from the top right to the top left. Uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, because they had the values. And then, the, but the toughest one was always the bottom left, and that was a group that made the numbers, always made the numbers, but did it in uh, bullying ways, did it in ways that didn't live with the values. And that was a tough crowd to catch up to. Uh, but things like 360-degree performance appraisals, uh, candor and trust in the system, uh, that really put the spotlight on people who, who didn't have the values. And, and where that really came to roost was back, uh, you know, probably in the, in the mid-90s when, uh, when Jack Welch at our, uh, our Florida leadership meeting, which occurs the first week of January every year with the top five to 600 leaders in the company, got up and talked about six individuals who weren't with us that year. Uh, I remember had, that story. And had always made the numbers, mm. but just didn't think after, after plenty of communications, just didn't believe that we were that serious about the values. So believe me, at that meeting, uh, the five to 600 people that sat there, you could hear a pin drop in the room, and there was nobody that didn't believe we were serious about values after that session. So, right. so you know, you have to you have to make examples of people who don't play. Uh, back to the performance management thing. Uh, I think there was a time when, if you a lot of years in GE and many companies, that if you made the numbers, you could be the biggest horse's ass in the world. And then we decided, hey, look, <laughs> we deserve both. <laughs> you should be able to make the numbers. And we should have people with, with strong values and great leadership skills who can mentor and engage and excite others. And, uh, and that's what we've got. But, uh, again, it's back to the, <laughs> the differentiation, the, uh, uh, the consequences, the repercussions. They've got to be there. So it, it keeps people on their toes, too. Yeah. And I like the fact, you know, it's the stories that, you know, that, that, that Jack used to give the examples. This, this, is, this is not acceptable in, in, uh, in this company. Right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, competencies here because a lot of people, you know, they're using competency models to determine potential and all of that. What, what's your take on that? Well, I know I, think, I have a particular view, but I'd, I'd love yeah, to hear no, yours. I mean, I think, you know, competency models are, uh, are fine. You know, as long as they are totally locked in to whatever set of values you have and, and are guides as to how people are going to win or succeed in your organization. But I think the more complicated you make a competency model, uh, <laughs> the more diluted your performance management system is going to be. So... We never, sure, we had competency models because you want to you, you say, hey, in, a, in an ideal world, these are the kind of competencies we'd like to see in, in an individual. I mean, we had a, you know, we probably, Jack and I probably put together 15, 20 traits as to the, the ideal CEO characteristics. And, uh, you know, Superman couldn't have met all of the... Uh, all of the traits that we had, but but yet that's kind of that's kind of the direction we were we were looking in. So 
I think they can be good guides, but I think that if you get hung up too much on competencies models and especially determining, you know, potential and, and performance, that that can get a little tricky. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I won't name the company, but it's out of uh, state of Washington. Has a uh, competency model for every job category and every level of management. Yeah. And it's online, and I can guarantee you there isn't a leader there that uses it and finds yeah, it, it sounds, valuable. Sounds bureaucratic, too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I want to just touch on this 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 notion of, because I, I hear you not using any of this, and, and, and frankly, I love it, um, labeling people. You know, how people, um, y- you know, h- how do you keep people energized who are kind of know that they're in that 60% or... Yeah. Yeah. You know, how do you keep from them feeling like, oh, gee, I didn't make the top 30 or, or whatever? Well, as, as you know, Linda, we spent a, a god-awful amount of time determining what are the right labels, as you mentioned, yes. for those categories. <laughs> and, and, and I think that, you know, certainly at the end, when I left it, it was, we were on a 30-60-10 uh, play. And, and the 30 were considered top performers. So mm-hmm. that's a that's kind of the label that the unofficial label top performers, but but the but the middle sixty we considered highly valued. Yeah. So you know I don't mind being highly valued. Uh, no. You know, yeah, I'd like to be called a top performer, but I'm okay with highly valued. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then the ten was uh, less effective. I mean, we <laughs> as as you know, we moved from least effective. To right. less effective, right? And and so, you know, the less effective kind of says, okay, <laughs> that's not the category you want to be in. But if if you can address the development needs on the work plan that's been laid out for you, uh, you can move from less effective into highly valued. Uh, didn't happen all the time. I mean, you could no. move from less effective to top performer, right? Uh, and and I, I've seen that happen a couple of times. And uh, uh, so. And, and I just want to stop you there for a second, Bill, because yeah. I go to so many places, and you'd probably do too, where somebody says, well, you know, GE just lobbed off the bottom 10. I said, well, you know, where are you getting that from? That is really not true. What is true is what you said. If somebody gets the feedback, can't make it, then yeah. But a lot of times, you know, people moved out of that, what we used to call probably the acronym. I don't, I don't know if you ever heard this, but the leper category, less <laughs> effective performer, yeah. um, that moved out of that uh, category. Either they took a different job, uh, they changed their band, uh, or they, you know, developed the skills that they needed. It wasn't necessarily that everybody got booted out of the company. No. I mean, under, under Jack, I mean, Jack used to really, really advocate the, the the bottom ten, but seldom uh, uh, seldom was it ten percent. Right, <laughs> it was some. Right. It, it, you know, in some places maybe it was, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was certainly five, you know, yeah. or six or yeah. something like that. But but again, back to back to not being you know anal about percentages, numerical numbers, but but using it as a guideline. When you've got 330,000 employees, you ought to be able to differentiate. And if you can't, uh, 
you, you really got a problem. Yeah. So I, I want to explore uh, two other things with you, and I have a question coming in uh, from the field. But yep. uh, um, quickly, what from your experience, and now you, you know you've been out of GE, you're, you're, you consult with so many companies. What do you see as the future of HR? What do you what do you see as the things that really great HR leaders need to be thinking about? And you know, let's put aside business partner because if you haven't made business partner by this time, you know, the odds are probably <laughs> slim that you will. But yeah. you know, in the next 30 seconds, what what do you see? Well, I do think uh, I, I do think that you've got to have you've got to consider the business first and HR second. And most people look at that the other way around. Because if you aren't developing your HR vision, your strategy, and, and your talent around the business priorities, then you're totally out of sync. Yeah. So I think we need more operationally savvy HR leaders that can make that linkage. Yeah. Okay, we are at break, but we are going to continue this uh, discussion. And I do have a question in from the the field, Bill, about, Mm -hmm. you know, three pieces of advice that you would give to an aspiring, you know, great HR leader. So stay with us. We're talking to Bill Conady. Uh, Great discussion about performance and uh, capability. And, uh, you know, I hope everybody who's listening takes it to heart. And also that you get a copy of their book, The Talent Masters, Why Smart Leaders Put People Before Numbers. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. 
or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the leadership connection. Hi, welcome back. Um, talking with Bill Connedy, author, senior HR leader, uh, uh, advisory partner in Clayton Dublair and Rice, a private equity firm on the board of many stellar Fortune 100 companies, and we were talking uh, about uh, performance management, building capability, and the myth about uh, lobbing off the bottom ten just arbitrarily. And one of the things that Bill was talking about was advice uh, and looking into the future about business partner. And that is a question that we got um, from Amit from New York City. Uh, what three pieces of advice do you have? Um, so maybe you could amplify that a little bit more, Bill. And before we go, I want I want to get your view of how HR can really support leaders? I mean, do you see HR becoming more a part of the leader's job? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, certainly uh, HR organizations size-wise aren't growing uh, dramatically. So uh, in order to get the job done, you've got to convert business leaders and, and, uh, and peer staff members to become a whole heck of a lot better on the softer side of, of the business and uh, uh, and that's how you magnify your organization but I think you know back to the previous question Lynn I think that uh, you know one of the big topics that's uh, that's hit in the last year or so is you know splitting the function I mean uh, Ram Sharan did a uh, my buddy Ram did an article in uh, the Harvard Business Review that talked about you know time to split the function and uh, somebody else had one that time to blow up HR. I and, saw that one, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, if you read the article, it it was nowhere near what the title was. But but I think you know what Rom was trying to do is be provocative, and and his point was that that the HR organization should be focused on talent, on talent yes. development, and not yep. caught up in the clutter. And yep. So, you know, my example in that case is that HR should not have payroll. Payroll should be a finance function. HR, there, there's no way to win with payroll. You're going to get blamed for every, uh, you'll get blamed anyway. But, right. uh, <laughs> uh, you know, put, put, put some of that administrivia back where it, where it really belongs and, and clear the deck so that you really can make an impact on the talent agenda. So I think that's a, you know, that's a lot of what's been talked about at a high level in the function in the past year. Because people were, you know, just uh, uh, apoplectic about Rom's article. And I said, hey, look, you know, he's making a point. He's being provocative. He's, he's pushing the envelope. But, uh, uh, but it did cause a little stir. It did, but you know, because because of that title. But I do have to tell you, uh, Bill, that I have been in many, many places um, after GE where the HR people did not see their role as as aggressive in the whole talent field. And right. I always was like, so then, what do you do every day if it's yeah. not yeah. knowing the talent? Yep, yep. Go along and get along, and that's uh, that's uh, that's a short lived uh, play there. 
Yeah, and you know that that play keeps you from being the business partner. Right. Right. Exactly. So they go hand and they absolutely go hand in hand. Yeah. Well, the, I the question, uh, Linda, was on advice. On, uh, yeah, three pieces of advice. Yeah. Advice for HR people or just yes. people? Just people. HR in general. people aspiring to to really yeah. be leaders in their field. Yeah. Well, I, 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 you know, I've always said, look, uh, uh, you know, do the job you're on today better than anybody's ever done it in the past. Act like it's the last job you're ever going to be on. And if you do those two things, it won't be. You're destined to move, you're destined to move up in the organization. On, on the converse, conversely, what a lot of people get hung up, too focused on what I'm going to do next, and they miss the only leverage points they have, and that's the job that you have today. So, you know, those are a couple of pieces of advice. And then I would also say one that I see, uh, you, I, I see it in all organizations, but I see it particularly in the HR function and, and one that, uh, that I drive home is, the, is to say, become a problem solver, not a problem identifier. You, mm-hmm. You've got to be a problem identifier to be able to solve the problem, but too many HR people think it's their job to identify the problem and then dump that off on their CEO or their boss. And I never, never, in any job I was ever in, and certainly working for both Jack and Jeff, I took them some awfully ugly problems from time to time. And you'd see their face turn and uh, like, oh, God, what are we going to do now? And, and my comment was always, look, Here's the issue. Uh, here's what I'm doing about it. Uh, and if it, if it blows out of shape, I'll be back to talk to you again. I don't want you to do anything about it. I'm handling the issue. I just want you to be aware of it in case it comes up another channel. And I, I don't want you to be blindsided. And they would say, oh, great, great, great. So point being, I always felt it was my job to take issues off the CEO's desk, not add to the pile. And then I was always kind of the most welcome guy at the door when I'd stick my head around the, uh, the door for, you know, an informal with Jack or Jeff. Hey, come on in, come on in. But if they, if they think you're coming in to drop another uh, uh, turd on their desk, uh, <laughs> you, you, you are not welcome. They yep. get plenty of those from the CFO and the general counsel. Don't, yeah. don't make it the HR person, too. Yeah. I think those are three fabulous pieces of advice. And, Bill, thank you so much for being on the show. And I want to also personally thank you. It was a privilege to have the opportunity to have worked on as part of your team uh, and being part of uh, the GEHR uh, community. It was a wonderful and enriching experience. So thank great. you. Great having you on the team, Linda. Well, I really appreciate that, Bill. And so next week we're going to be have, we're talking to Nazanin Razi. She is the co-author with me of uh, the book Winning with Transglobal Leadership, and we're going to be talking about uh, the trends of. Uh, going forward for leaders of the future and what our research has has shown. Additionally, I'm going to be joining uh, former HR leaders at GE. I'm very flattered and humbled to be invited to come and to talk about coaching to that group. So 
we have a, a couple of really great shows coming up. Um, we are going to be having some encore shows. We're going to be bringing back Marshall Goldsmith to talk about his uh, new book, Triggers, and how that's been going. And then we are also going to be doing a series and some discussion of some of the tenants and trends that are impacting uh, the world of work that are going to cause us to have to think differently about how we design our organizations, how we build capability, to look at some of the rules and the regulations that may have been artifacts from the industrial era that really are not necessarily going to play in this highly technologically linked global environment. And what are the things that we're going to have to think about as leaders and uh, HR practitioners to really keep our organizations viable. And I think Bill said a really incredibly, I think he said many incredibly important things, but one that I want to underscore. Talent is the hallmark of great long-standing companies. And getting a framework and a process that's integrated in place that helps you understand your talent, develop those ta- that talent, and move that talent continually towards increased excellence is where our heads need to be because you're not going to have people working for you for 20 years. The statistics say people may have a job with you for a tour of duty for three years, but you want to build somebody in your company who leaves on a good note, who's gotten something from you, and who you've gotten something from them and help them succeed. So it's going to be a very interesting discussion. We're going to be focusing on this for uh, the next month. And GE has changed their performance management system. I'll be very interested to hear about it and we'll be sharing it with you uh, on our next show. So thank you so much for being with me. And I just am so uh, thrilled to have had Bill Conady on the show. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 